Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Wednesday, we're going to talk a little USC recruiting. It's the bye week. We had Coach Harvey Hyde on. We had Paul Meyerberg from USA Today. People seem to love him, so I'm glad you guys enjoyed his, uh, his segment on the Peristyle Podcast. We had Dan Weber answering a lot of questions, talking a lot of Sam Darnold talk uh, yesterday. And Gerard gave me a text. He's like, hey, should we do a podcast, recruiting podcast? I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. So we got Gerard Martinez at Gmart Live. If you want to send us any questions, we actually posted on the Peristyle today to get some uh, recruiting questions. We got a lot of them, so we'll try to get to them all. Uh, but go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. All of our contact information is there. You can check it out there. And uh, follow up, me on Twitter, at Inside Troy. Gerard on Twitter, at Gmart Live. And let's welcome in Gerard. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Can't complain. I'm a little tired. I've not been uh, working out a lot, and uh, I played some beach volleyball this morning, and I am exhausted. So yeah, it was hot. It's hot out there, man. I thought it was going to be kind of cooler. It's warm outside, buddy. Yeah, Santa Ana winds. It's like 90s out here. So <laughs> yeah, we had a little reprieve from the heat and sort of the upper 80s, 90 degrees for like a half a week, and it sort of drizzled out here in the IE. And now the Santa Anas are back. So I don't know about the. Uh, you know, this whole El Nino thing, El Nino. I, I think La Nina moved in and kicked El Nino out. You know, El Nino's packed his bags. He's uh, somewhere else. I don't know. He moved to the south, I guess. Uh, El, El Nino is single now. I think she it was lives a, in Southern California. Like Monday time. morning, we got rain and it was cool. Like we had to shut the windows and stuff. And it was like, wow, this is like we're getting some fall weather. And then, yeah, really. <laughs> even this morning, I rode my bike down to the beach and uh, I put like a sweatshirt on. It was a little cooler. And then, you know, we get out there and it's just like, the sun's blazing. It was hot. I was like, man, this is, it's like the middle of summer. That's the one thing about Southern California, man. It's just like, uh, I wish we had more seasons. <laughs> I wish it was a little more like, oh, it's fall. Okay. You know, it's, uh, it's the sixties now. Okay. That feels, that feels right. But here it's pretty much going to be in the eighties and this year, I don't know. We, we haven't had much rain, uh, the whole year, the El Nino thing, just, that was a complete, um, you know, false advertising by the weather people. Yeah, it definitely was. Uh, well, I don't think people came on here to listen to us talk about the weather. Uh, they want to talk some recruiting. And before we jump into all that, I just want to thank our sponsor for the segment. They've been great to us, Mac Weldon. I talked about beach volleyball. I love wearing the uh, Mac Weldon uh, boxer briefs down when I go play beach volleyball. They're super comfortable when I'm running around sweating, <laughs> sweating my ass off. I love wearing them. They're very comfortable. But it's been, definitely check it out. Go to MacWeldon.com. Um, it's a great shopping experience. It's really easy to navigate the site. It's very simple. It's definitely better underwear than anything you're wearing right now. Go check it out. Uh, it's great because you'll get 20% off using the promo code Peristyle. So you can at least try it out and see what you like. Um, I really do like the boxer briefs. Uh, when it was a little cooler, I started wearing the undershirts, the t-shirts, uh, under some of my polos and stuff. Uh, but it's hot again. So, but, uh, they're really smart design. They got premium fabrics. It's really simple shopping. Like I talked about. It's going to be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts. They got hoodies, sweatpants that you're ever going to wear. Um, they want you to be comfortable. 
Uh, so if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it, and they're going to refund your money, no questions asked. And like I said, you get 20% off using the discount code uh, Peristyle. So it's great stuff. I love wearing it. Uh, so I'm really, I'm really happy they came to sponsor the site because I had, didn't know about Mac Weldon. Um, so now I, I, I'm using them. I'm really liking the products and stuff. So check it out, Gerard. I think I might get you, get you some for Christmas. Does that sound okay? There you go. <laughs> I don't think I have your uh, underwear sizes on file. I should, I should keep like a... <laughs> That's a good thing. That's a good thing. It's good that our relationship has not gone that far yet. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Gerard and I aren't even Facebook friends, so that's where our relationship is. You know, I'm not. Gerard's not even on Facebook anymore, to use my name in the third person. like I, I think I checked into Facebook like maybe a couple months ago because... Stephen Carr, somebody wanted a video or whatever, and I was like, dude, I'll just put it to my Facebook video, but I don't go on Facebook anymore. It all gets synced to Twitter, so it's the same thing, basically. Nice. Uh, well, let's talk some recruiting, Gerard. So we got some email questions, so I thought maybe we would start with those, and then we'll go to the, which I was debating doing this, like posting a thread on the Peristyle, like, ah, oh, maybe I'll see if anyone on the P wants to ask Gerard a recruiting question. And like, so I did that. I went to volleyball. I came back and it's like two pages long. Like, this is not really what I wanted, but. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I know this, the thread is pretty much, uh, it's, it's a podcast. Yeah. The whole thing. <laughs> but that's and, okay. it, and it continues to go on too. <laughs> yeah. I'm done yet. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll do the, we have a few email questions. We'll do those first and then we'll jump into maybe do some rapid fire on that thread. Um, so let's start with Tarek, who actually wrote in. I, I love Tarek. He always sends in like very succinct questions. Um, and he sent this one in two weeks ago or a week ago. And then I we didn't do a recruiting podcast. So then he sent it again. If you guys send a question in, I'll save them, like especially recruiting ones. I'll save them in my database if we don't have Gerard on. So as long as it's not, um, you know, it's like, oh, an upcoming game. You're asking about a guy that's visiting or something like something that's not going to it's not going to work two weeks later. Uh, anything like that, I will save and we'll be able to ask him again. So you don't have to send it in again. But Tark always does a great job with the questions. And he wants to know, does current USC commit Hunter Eccles remind you at all of a former USC recruit, but eventually a UCLA commit, Keyshawn, Lucy, or South? At all? Uh, maybe a little bit because he's a pass rusher and sort of a pass rush specialist, uh, more of a finesse player than a, a physical player. But not entirely. I, I think that Hunter Eccles is definitely, uh, and, and as Greg Biggins sort of pointed out in our commitment analysis, he's a pass rush specialist. Uh, I think less of an athlete than probably Keyshawn Lucian South. Um, I think that he's a good player, but I don't necessarily compare him to Keyshawn. I don't see necessarily that quite as much upside maybe physically as Keyshawn. John Lucy or South. I think Keyshawn was a guy that could play a little tight end. There was some question even when he was being recruited, does he play tight end in college? Uh, he also was a guy that could stand up a little more. I think he could play in space a little more, whereas uh, Hunter Heckles is definitely a guy that you know puts his hand in the ground. He's a you know wide split, seven technique, uh, maybe even a guy that if you had some kind of special formations and you wanted to put him in a wide nine, you could do that. He's definitely a get-up field, good pass rushing a uh, player that, you know, does a good job of being aware in the offensive backfield. He he does, uh, he has shown this just this year, a uh, good agility, good awareness in, in that respect, but not necessarily a guy I could see 
being so much of a stand-up guy yet, but you know what? We have to go back to when Clancy Pendergast was working with the defensive line when Ed Ergeron was there and they had that 5-2 front, a front that we have not seen very much at USC this year. It's been interesting to see Clancy Pendergast really focus more on running a lot of nickel. Why he's run so much nickel, I don't know if we've got an answer for that yet. Uh, Obviously, people assume, well, we don't have the, the defensive line depth, I don't know that that's true, though. I, I don't know that USC couldn't run more of a 3-4 variant in the front with the defensive linemen that they've had. Uh, certainly, Malik Dorton has been a little banged up. He was a guy getting a lot of reps. Um, he's been in there sparingly. When they do go to that 3-4, usually he's in there with uh, with Stevie, and the other guy will be usually Rasheem Green. Uh, but now that you don't have Noah uh, Jefferson and, and you've had some guys banged up, obviously Kevin, uh, Kenny Bigelow hasn't been in there uh, since the start of fall camp, basically. Um, those guys have not really been able to be in the rotation. So it is a limited rotation, but it's still – I've been surprised at the amount of – they're running that two, four, five nickel defense. It's basically a 34 nickel defense and they're running two down defensive linemen. And so in that case, you know, you're obviously, you've got those guys that are the defensive ends that are stand up. Um, I think in, in the five, two that they were running those defensive ends, you had Morgan Breslin and you had Kevon, um, or excuse me, that Kevon, but uh, Devon Kennard. And Devon Kennard has shown that he could play linebacker legitimately. I mean, he's in the, in the NFL right now playing linebacker, stand-up linebacker. He even played some Mike linebacker. Uh, and so that's a guy that can play in space enough that certainly he can play as an outside linebacker, so a hybrid. Uh, Morgan Breslin, a little more of a defensive end, so he got away with it. He did play um, in that stand-up position and, and did exceedingly well. But, again, you know, we're talking about the Ed Ergeron coached front. That was Clancy Pendergast's defense, but he was working with Ed Ergeron Ed Ergeron's no longer there. Now they're going more to a 2-4-5, so there seems to be less confidence in that front in terms of the defensive linemen. I mean, USC in that Utah game, they got abused a few times because they were simply outmanned on the defensive front. They had four guys, two defensive linemen going against sometimes a six-man offensive line, and that's just a numbers game at the line of scrimmage. So um, when you start to look at guys that they're recruiting and you look at Hunter Echols, you say, okay, wh- what kind of type of player is he? Is he a guy that is a hybrid guy, or is he a guy that really is more of a defensive end that they're just going to stand up? Uh, Wally Bedeku is the same thing. That's a guy that's a, he's a defensive lineman. He's a guy that, yeah, he's standing up, but you don't want to see oh, Wally Bedeku playing a lot in space um, trying to be in coverage. So um, it works for, you know, USC in terms of the guys that they've recruited in the past and, and, and are using in the defense, but to what extent, you know, remains to be seen. I, I think there's sort of been mixed reviews as to how the defensive front has played mostly well, but there have been games like the Utah game where they got pushed around a bit. So uh, we're going to kind of have to see if there's some adjustments and things. But uh, in terms of that comparison with Keyshawn Lucier South, I think Keyshawn Lucier South in terms of his ceiling and upside as an athlete was higher. All right, uh, Peter in San Francisco said, Sam Darnold, he's the wheeler dealer, the man that can turn a nickel into 25 cents. It's just what the USC team needed. Is USC recruiting a similar quarterback, or will USC continue to recruit golden boy pocket passers? Fight on Peter and SF, which he does not seem to be a fan, Gerard, of golden boy pocket passers. Yeah, and I think this is an eye-opener a little bit for Clay Helton because what I've heard – uh, from former staff members and, and other sources. Clay Helton was always really a big fan of the pocket passer, mainly because when you're an offensive coordinator, 
you want to have your quarterback run the play that is designed, not something that's close to it because there's a variable in that he can scramble and make something else happen. But what we've seen in college football is there's a lot of mediocre offenses that look really good with a quarterback that can create, a quarterback that can do things outside the play design. And you see it all over the place. You know, Obviously, USC, I think the first time we really saw it was with Vince Young. I mean, that was a mediocre offensive system. Mac Brown had very little success in that offense beyond Vince Young. But you plug Vince Young in there, and he's a guy that, you know, with the option, you have that as a possibility that really breaks open uh, the offense into really three different plays because it's an RPO. You can have Vince Young run the ball. You can have the running back run the ball. You can have Vince Young throw the ball. And then all of a sudden you've got three plays out of one play. And if that play doesn't work, you can have him scramble around and just do something and just create, you know, out of his back pocket. And that's something that defenses cannot prepare for. You can't designing a defense necessarily when you don't know what that quarterback is going to do. So it's really just sort of, okay, just in case type of things, plan B type of things, but that's not what defensive quarters like to do. So it makes them uncomfortable. And I think what USC is seeing now with Sam Darnold is in a system like this, what he can do beyond just the play design. And it's the reason why I said USC should be starting Sam Darnold when we had that sort of roundtable. It was like, what's your prediction? I go, well, it's not a prediction because I kind of felt like they probably were going to go with Max Brown. But I said they shouldn't be because of this reason, because Sam Darnold can make things happen, because the offense has not shown from a play design under Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian, and this is what Clay Helton's offense is derived from. Um, those offenses are not shown to make and create yards on their own just by design. So you need to plug in a variable in there that becomes completely uh, – it's an X factor, and it's a guy that can make plays and do things above and beyond that playbook, and that was Sam Darnold. And so now we're seeing what that can do, and it's obviously opened up the offense, and it's had uh, a, you know, a certain amount of success of just being able to you know, do things on his own. And so uh, I think that's been an eye-opener for the coaching staff, but mainly Clay Helton. And I think going forward, they definitely do uh, recruit more quarterbacks that um, are more on the athletic side. Are they going to go for straight athletic quarterbacks to be able to run uh, the option? No, I don't think so. I don't think they're there yet. I think they still want to have a guy that can throw the ball first and just has that ability to run. And we'll see how you kind of gauge that. It's, it's a little harder to find that guy. You know, the, the, it's really the, the dual threat that can really throw the ball. Um, a lot of offenses these days are sort of like, uh, you know, let me find a guy that can scramble and can run that read option, and then we'll worry about teaching them how to pass. Uh, but I think with USC, it's still the opposite. And so um, there's guys that are out there that they'll continue to recruit. Obviously, they've got Matt Correll committed for the 2018 class. He's a guy that's similar to Sam Darnold, probably not quite the athlete as Sam Darnold, um, but he's still fast. He's still very good in the open field. He can still run. Uh, I think, uh, obviously, you know, Matt Fink is on the roster, and he's a guy that can run also. Uh, I've compared him to Darnold. He's a little different because he doesn't have, I think, the pocket awareness as Darnold. I don't know if he has that genese qua that kind of gets Sam Darnold out of certain situations. I I've seen him play in person a couple times. Matt Fink is good when he can get in and when he can get a seam on a read option and he can get it in open field and get running. He's not quick. He's fast, but he's not quick. He has very long strides and I've seen him outrun people in the open field, but it's that matter of, can you make that quick move to get away from the defensive end? Can you make that, you know, two or three steps away from a guy that's pass rushing and then you can get in the open field and you can make something happen. Sam Donald's very good at the quickness 
awareness aspect, just the instincts in the pocket, knowing when to tuck it and make a play and try to get outside the pocket. Um, that's going to be the question with Matt Fink. Uh, I think with Matt Carell, he's got good pocket awareness. Um, not quite as big and as strong as, as Sam Donald right now, but he's a guy that can make you pay uh, on the uh, on the read option. If uh, And really, I think in this offense, what they want, not to ramble on anymore about it, but Six yards, man. You get six yards on a third down with the quarterback scramble. That changes how the defense has to play your offense immensely, immensely. If that, that, that quarterback can get six, seven yards here and there. They don't have to take it 50. You don't have to take it 80. Just get a guy that can get positive yards on a, on a third down, and that totally changes the way that defense has to play you. And I think that's what we've seen uh, play dividends for USC's offense. All right, let's uh, go on. We have one more email, then we'll jump to the board. Uh, Chris says, Gerardo, it's great hearing that USC has an interest, uh, or is, I guess there's an interest from USC uh, for linebacker Baron Browning. In that case, are recruits such as defensive lineman Jalen Parks, AJ Espinessa, uh, I hope I said his name right, Noah Ellis, are they possible commitments? And how about linebackers Jacob Phillips? Uh, to Darian Moultrie, I hope I said his name right, Malik Hearing, possible commitments. The reason I ask is because some of these recruits' preferred choice of schools are not doing so well this year, so it may allow for these recruits to look elsewhere, such as, let's say, a 10-3 and USC football program. Thanks, uh, USC Parastyle Podcast. You are simply the best from Chris. Wow, those are some really custom names for USC. <laughs> I mean, AJ Espinenza, uh, Noah Ellis, not so much. I mean, that's a guy that, uh, you know, USC's recruiting hard out there in Colorado, big defensive tackle, 6'5", 330 pounds, um, a guy that's pretty much off the grid in terms of his media availability. So we really don't know a ton about him in terms of where he might be leaning. Haven't been a lot of interviews with him, but definitely a guy that's a Western regional recruit at a you know defensive tackle position, which is very high up in terms of need for USC and quantity of need for USC. USC is going to be you know signing four or five defensive tackles uh, in this uh, class, so that's a guy that's definitely on the radar. But Baron Browning, um, yeah, Texas kid, really wants to go to Texas. Texas is not doing well. But you know what? If Texas ends up having a really bad season, we know what's going to happen. They're going to throw a bunch of money at Tom Herman. They'll probably get Tom Herman. And then, you know, a lot of people will be excited about Texas. There'll be a lot of momentum and buzz about Texas, and they'll get Baron Browning. And if Baron Browning doesn't go to Texas, he's going to go to Ohio State. USC is way down the line for a guy like Baron Browning. He's, they're way down the line for most of those guys mentioned uh, those guys are just not going to be really, I mean, you're talking about possible commitments. N- n- their targets, maybe. They're guys that maybe, maybe if USC does well enough, they can get an official visit from. But these are cusp-type uh, targets that USC has offered like over the spring or over the summer and just trying to sort of get some traction in case they have a great year and those local schools, those schools that those guys are committed to or those guys have leading in their group of favorites, those schools have really bad seasons, and then maybe you might get a chance at getting a, an official visit in January, and then you impress them, and then something happens, and blah, blah, blah. But really, you know, with USC right now, they're just trying to get to a point where, you know, some of the kids like Levi Jones, who's a 6'3", 215-pound linebacker who's really high on USC, unofficially visited USC during the spring, those type of guys that they still have a shot at getting them on campus and impressing them 
after losing to Alabama 52-6. Those were the guys that were out-of-state guys that USC was in a really good position for, and then you go out there and you lay that stain of a loss. And I say it's a stain of a loss just because it's one of those losses that's going to, it's going to linger. It's going to stay. It's not going to just go away when there's kids that you know watch that game and they watch you just get completely dismantled by Alabama. It showed that USC has a long, long ways to go before they're at that level where they can compete for a championship. And kids that are out of state, it, it, you know, that affects them. That, that, yeah, there's other things they're looking at with USC, and that's what gives them still a chance. But, you know, when you lose that bad, it's, it's just it's a it's just it hurts you it hurts you with those kids that are out of state and they've got other schools really recruiting them really hard that are like texas and oklahoma and like i said you know a school like texas if charlie strong isn't going to get it done this season they're going to go get somebody that's going to be a big name guy and they're probably going to recruit pretty well just based on the reputation that they have when they come in and so uh that's really why i say these guys were cussed guys that none of those guys on that list outside of noah ellis who again we don't know a whole lot about in terms of where he's leaning um, I would say are out of you know sort of regional guys that have a lot of schools in the area that are recruiting them pretty hard. It's going to be tough to get them away it, with USC, even with a ten and three season, which at this point seems like a fantastic season. But obviously, going in preseason, it would have been a, it would have been a good season. People would have been happy with, but it's not to the level of season where you start pulling in all these guys that you know have interest that you know normally wouldn't have interest in USC. Those guys that you know USC was able to bring in on official visits in the Pete Carroll eras. All right. Uh, I think we got to go to the message board. We're going to have to do it rapid fire, though, because there's a lot. You want, you ready to do it, Gerard? We could try. We'll try. Gerard's not a rapid fire guy by nature. These are usually not rapid fire questions. It's I know. like, who do you like out of the linebackers that we're <laughs> recruiting? And it's like, uh, I, I name one guy. That seems like, you know, kind of not being totally forceful of the, the answer and trying to really give some insight. That's what the recruiting podcast is supposed to be. Getting right. insight with I just have to minimal go, like, entertainment. They're doing, uh, I got to go to practice after if that's why, but they, um, yeah, they're doing, <laughs> so they're starting practice earlier. They're only lasting about an hour. So it's kind of like, yeah, you can't just show up late to the practices uh, this week, but um, yeah, they're kind of uh Quicker bye week. We'll try. Let's go. Rapid fire. Stop talking. We've already talked too much. We talked in the intro way too much about weather. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. What about the weather? No. Okay. Okay. Beat ND one. He said, I know it's repetitive, but where do we stand with inside linebacker and interior defensive lineman? And are you aware of any potential JC transfers at either position? Not a lot has changed there in terms of who USC is recruiting, especially on the defensive line and who they have a good shot at, uh, guys that you know are looking at them. Obviously, Greg Rogers is a guy that USC has been recruiting, uh, 6'4", 285-pound defensive tackle from Las Vegas, Nevada. They, they still like him. I think Oklahoma is definitely a player for him now. He took that official visit to Oklahoma, and even though they, they kind of got routed a bit by uh, Ohio State, I, he really liked the visit, and he really liked the environment of that big game. So we're going to see if USC gets him in for the Notre Dame game. It, it's a good possibility he comes in for that game. They may push it back to January. We're just going to kind of have to see how it goes. Um, might be the last school in his year has the best chance at him. Um, obviously, they've already got two commitments on the interior for defensive line, Matt Lynch and Jacob uh, Lichtenstein. Those guys are still solid from what we know. Um, Martin Andrus is a guy that still likes USC, very high in USC. We're not sure how high USC is on him, but you know, certainly the more losses, the, the less picky they can be <laughs> with defensive linemen. So he's still a possibility. Terrence Lang, uh, I think, still very high on USC. I think USC is the team to beat for him. Uh, Jay Tufeli, who's sort of maybe 
the, the top guy on the board there at defensive line. Uh, USC slipped a bit for him. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State, uh, Utah, I think, are probably his top three. I think Michigan is still sort of that dark horse that may uh, be able to nab him away from Utah. USC sort of on the outside looking in, but, you know, they want to get an official visit. They should get an official visit, so there's a possibility they make a move there. Uh, Malik Herring was a guy that I think was mentioned actually in that previous email. Uh, USC will get an official visit from him, 6'3", 255, saw him at the opening. Uh, he's from Georgia. He's a pretty good player. Uh, he doesn't have the prototypical look of a guy that is a defensive end, um, not the tall, lanky type of guy, not really like uh, Hunter Eccles or, or some of those other players that you play on the defensive end. He's a guy that's really a little shorter, a little thicker, probably going to be an interior guy that plays you know, a true defensive end in a 3-4 defense. I would think that he's probably going to end up being 280, 285, but a, a really good player, a guy that's sort of, I think, underrated a bit um, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, I haven't seen him at the opening, obviously he's, he was touted enough to get to the opening, but didn't really know about him too much and really didn't hear about him too much going into that. But I liked what I saw from him and then, um, you know, sort of heard that he had a lot of interest in USC. And so uh, they'll get an official visit from him uh, at some point. Alec Jackson is still sort of floating out there. He was one of the big-time players at the Rising Stars camp, 6'5", 275, uh, defensive tackle from Montgomery, Alabama. Um, I think that's a guy that USC sort of – tries to have under the radar right now. I think they're sort of, they, they, they feel like they have a shot at him and they're just kind of trying to play it cool. Last I heard like NC state Auburn, there was like a couple of schools that were sort of interesting schools that he was looking at. Um, so that again, tells me, you know, USC definitely has a shot still uh, just going to be one of those things that, you know, distance is a factor. And when they get him on campus again for the official visit, they need to get his folks on campus too. And they need to be able to sort of sign off on him going, but that would be a huge get for USC. That's a guy that's a three-star. I think he's still a three-star uh, defensive tackle according to scout. And uh, from what I saw from him at the Rising Stars camp, he's every bit of a four-star and a guy that USC would definitely love to have. Um, definitely a big body. Not necessarily going to be the next Leonard Williams. I think he's a little more polished, a little more of a good coach that player, big body. Maybe doesn't have that sort of athleticism and that skill to be able to be a pass rusher, but still uh, a player that USC would take all day, every day. Um, but in terms of the you know Marvin Wilsons and some of these big time guys that uh, you know are the the, the four star, five star level guys, you know we'll wait and see. I, I think with with a guy like Marvin Wilson, I, they'll probably still get an official visit from him, but it's unlikely that uh, they're going to be able to land his commitment. I think he's more of an Alabama type uh, LSU guy. Maybe Texas will be in there. Um, I think that's going to be difficult to grab those five star level guys out of state when you're talking about defensive linemen. And that's been the case. Even when USC was winning national championships with Pete Carroll, you weren't getting a lot of love from those guys. Those guys are mama's boys. It's going to be difficult to land a bunch of them. Um, Leonard Williams is a guy that was originally from Southern California. His parents were from Southern California. He came out here for the unofficial visit during the summer. Like that that situation, and he wasn't even a five-star. He was a four-star, and he was a low four-star at that um, when we were over, I think, at the other network. So that, that, that kind of thing, you know, it's going to be difficult to be able to get those big-time, um, those five-star level guys that everybody else is recruiting at defensive tackle. Quickly, at inside linebacker, it's pretty much the same. Daniel Green's still committed. Still waiting to kind of see how he does academically. That's the big question about him. But he's a solid player that uh, you bring in if he is able to be eligible. Levi Jones are still recruiting, and they really I think they're recruiting more as an inside guy. Um, he's not huge right now. He's only about 215, but he does have a pretty good frame. They could put more weight on him, maybe get him to that 235 level. Um, but it looks like he's more of a will linebacker in this defense. Um, Dylan Moses is a guy that they're going to continue to, to try at. You know, he's committed to Alabama now. He's probably still going to take visits. I think he's – 
kind of underrated as a five-star player, one of the best players that I saw uh, during the camp circuit and everything. Um, he was rated the number one player overall in the nation at one point, and um, he's kind of fallen a little bit, but in my eyes, still one of the best players out there. And, and then from there, we're going to kind of have to see what happens. Uh, we're going to have to see if USC is recruiting um, you know, uh, guys like Giuliano Felenico, if he's more of an inside guy than an outside guy. Uh, it's just going to be sort of, you know, figuring out the hybrid guys and where they fit in. And that's really true of the defensive end outside linebacker position as well. It's sort of a defense where there's guys being recruited that are rated at a certain position, but they may not end up playing that position when they get to USC. All right. So that was basically the exact opposite of rapid fire, but you know, Hey, well, we're going to move on. Darren LT. That was a, you know, there was a lot there because it was an open-ended question. So we're going to blame, I'll blame, uh, I'll blame beat. And Go B1. to the next question. You're not rapid fire. Actually, I'm trying to give you some tips to, to like catch your breath because there was a lot. You know, <laughs> so I have to talk a little bit just so you can uh, refresh the batteries and go for. Okay, Darren Lt. What are the chances with Tua or Sears now that Sam is the starter? If Sam's good as we think he could be, he could be gone after the 2017 season. They would be competing for the starting job as a redshirt freshman at wor- or at worst redshirt sophomores. Yeah, I with Sears, I don't see it, and and that's just a personal observation. I really haven't checked in and, and talked to anybody to really figure out, you know, what's going on with Jack Sears. You know, USC still really recruiting Jack Sears. I think Jack Sears, when he when he committed to Duke, he committed to Duke because it was out of the way, it was quiet, it was not Los Angeles, and I think the way he handled the process told me that he really didn't want the the exposure and the pressure and the things that come with being in LA and, and just the media and all that kind of stuff. He was really trying to be really low key as a recruit. And that just sort of told me personality wise that I I don't know UCLA and USC, if that was going to be a good fit for him. Um, So I kind of feel like he he might just stay with Duke. Uh, Tui Tagavaloa, we've heard a lot, you know, Alabama is not really solid. Uh, He's looking around. He's going to take an official visit to USC. We're going to see if that happens in December or maybe happens in January. I got a feeling he's probably not going to be an early enrollee. Um, there was some talk about that, but talking to him over the summer, I got the feeling that that probably wasn't going to happen. And so they may have till January to be able to bring him in on a visit. And I think with USC, they'd want to bring him in later rather than sooner. So we'll see how that develops. But he's definitely still a guy on the radar, and they're still recruiting. And right now it's sort of wait and see, I think, with the quarterback position in USC. They definitely have to get somebody in 2017. Um, you know, does it impact – those guys, because you now have a redshirt freshman playing, yes, but look at Tui Tagovailoa is committed to Alabama, and Alabama has a true freshman playing. So, you know, there's, there's maybe a little upside because Sam Darnold, if he continues to play the way he's playing, uh, could leave a year earlier than um, Jalen Hurts can at Alabama. Here's a SC made has a yes or no one, so we'll just do yes or no. Is the staff still high on Terrence Lang? Yes, very. Very high. Okay, good. That was two words. We're just doing one. And he also wants to know what official visits are you ex- expecting to come in for the Notre Dame game? Uh, there was actually a list in the war room. Um, I won't just go over every guy and everything, but uh, there'd be a few guys. There'll be a handful of guys coming in. Like I said, Greg Rogers is a possibility. There's a few other guys I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, check the war room either last week or the week before. We mentioned a few names of guys that are coming in for that. Uh, I think it's November 26th date. Cool. All right. Uh, Blitzenhut said, hey, Ryan and G, I'm just wondering, uh, is there any update on Amari Rogers? Thanks and fight on. I kind of want to know this, too, Gerard, because I still follow him on Twitter for some reason. And he likes tweeting. And I don't know if I should still be following him. What, tell me what to do. 
Uh, the deal is he's uh, committed Clemson and doesn't look like he's going to decommit from Clemson. Um, it's sort of a curious, interesting thing because obviously he is the son of T. Martin and uh, it was committed to USC at one point and then all of a sudden decommitted. From what I understand, there's some family things going on there and um, that sort of pushed him away from USC. Um, but I don't really know 100% what's going to happen when push comes to the shove on signing day. Um, that's that's going to be interesting. I, I, I kind of keep an eye open for that. Uh, but as right now, he's committed to Clemson, and that's pretty much it, and there's really no update. Uh, SC made again. GM, have you asked Jalen Phillips how UCLA is looking and if he would like to reconsider USC? Yeah, we actually just had uh, – SC made, dude, you got to read the – the site, bro. Uh, <laughs> we had a war room about the, the official visitors, and we also just did an update with Jalen Phillips. We actually just had a story go up on Jalen Phillips where he talked about UCLA and he talked about USC. He was just at the USC, um, the not the last game, but what was the last home game? I'm, I'm already blanking on uh, USC. Arizona Colorado? State. Arizona State game. Uh, he was there at the Arizona State game and um, talked uh, in depth about USC and you know, they're still recruiting them really hard and um, still pushing. It certainly seems like USC feels like they have a shot at them because uh, they're, they're, they're going after them, uh, definitely. And, um, you know, I mean, they have reason. They have sort of uh, some precedent there with uh, Oluwale Bediku and Michael Pittman both being committed to UCLA's five stars. And certainly there's not a lot going right in Westwood right now. And so uh, USC is going to continue to work on them. And um, he's going to be back actually in L.A. for the Oregon game. So he'll be there and, you know, maybe USC uh, can can beat Oregon and continue to build some momentum for him. He's uh, definitely one of the top players, if not the top player in the state. Okay, uh, Arizona Italian wants to know uh, what about recruiting a larger second tight end, and how about a fullback? No fullback right now. That's that's uh, you know on the radar as a guy. Uh, there is you know the possibility of maybe a running back um, being recruited and maybe converted down the line to a, a, a fullback uh, in that system that they're running. Um, you know, Sione Lund, uh, who's about, you know, 6'1", 225, 230-pound running back from uh, Salt Lake City, is a guy that has a scholarship offer. He's committed to Stanford right now. That's a possibility of a guy that's a big guy that they're recruiting as a running back that, you know, naturally you look at him and go, oh, that guy could, you know, maybe uh, end up being more of a fullback. But the fullback position right now at USC is sort of a specialty position. We don't see it a lot in a lot of uh, formations, probably maybe three, four times a game, short yardage situation. So I think they're recruiting it more as a specialty position like you would a long snapper or a punter or a kicker. Um, so from a scholarship standpoint, I don't think that's high on the list. I think if, you know, they can get a guy like Sione Lund, who maybe down the line could end up playing fullback, yeah, they'll go for it. But I don't think that that's necessarily a position that they're um, putting away for a scholarship. Uh, as for a larger tight end, a second tight end, I think they're definitely looking for a second tight end. Whether he's larger, I don't know. I think they would like to have maybe more of a pass uh, receiving option next to uh, Eric Cromenhoek. Uh, I think Cromenhoek is definitely a guy that is going to be a bigger guy. He's going to be a 250, 260-pound tight end that could definitely run block. Um, he has decent hands. He can't catch the ball too, but I think you know they like his physicality first and foremost. So that second guy may not be a larger guy. He may just end up being uh, more of a skill you know, receiving type tight end. All right. Uh, SC made again. I don't know. Should we keep – he's got a few. Uh, this is a quick one. With two tackles leaving, uh, Banner and Wheeler, and Price bailing, pretty safe to assume two tackles in this class. 
uh, at minimum, maybe three. So we're going to see, because obviously with EJ Price transferring, that opens up that USC could possibly, you know, we were talking about the class was good enough that they could go for five. And you continue to say, well, you know what, the class is good enough. Maybe they could try to get six. It really depends. But USC's got some really good commitments right now. And if you haven't, check out Andrew Voorhees, uh, 6'5", 200, and, uh, or excuse me, uh, three, nah, he's 295, but he's probably closer to about 305 at this point. He's listed at 295. Uh, that's a big kid who has some really good film that was posted on the Peristyle uh, just recently. And so you got a guy that, you know, that guy's like a three-star but he, and, and Brett uh, Neeland, uh, the center, 6'2", uh, 275 out of Santa Margarita High School, he is already committed, and he just put out his film and got a four-star because of the way he's played his senior year. USC has a very good start to the offensive line, and they're going to have a very good offensive line, just the way they're recruiting. Austin Jackson's still floating out there. USC has a really good shot at him still. Um, they could definitely bring in guy, three guys that could play offensive tackle for sure. Uh, speaking of... Uh, USC MSW wants to know any chance our improved offensive line play gets us a second look from Wyatt Davis. Ohio State already has three or four other five-star players committed from the class. Maybe they could share the wealth a little bit. Yeah, you know, there's always a possibility. You got a local guy there and maybe, you know, just going away from home, he just has second thoughts about it or his family does. And I think USC is definitely the, the best option, you know, locally, People talked a little bit about Stanford with them, but I, I didn't buy that. I think he was USC and Ohio State. And I think uh, USC could still have a shot maybe down the line, but I think USC's pretty happy with sort of where they're going. Elijah Vera Tucker's another guy that's committed. They've got those three commits. All three of those guys are really good. And Elijah Vera Tucker is, I mean, his film is amazing. He's really, really good. It's like Jeff Byers level film. And certainly he's not playing against Pac-5 type competition um, like Wyatt Davis is. Uh, but why Davis is probably a little more of a guard, where I think Elijah Vera Tucker is a legitimately a guy like Chuma Doga that could play inside. He could really play any five positions. He could play center. He could play guard. But even at 6'3", has the athleticism that he could play off the tackle. And I don't know if that's true of Wyatt Davis. I think Wyatt Davis is more of a prototype guard. And so it's going to be a little bit of – although USC, I think, would take Wyatt Davis in a, in a heartbeat, I don't know how hard they chase that. You know, that's going to be a little bit of the question as well. So we'll see how that develops a bit, but I wouldn't completely write him off is what I'm saying. Cormier, 1987. What kind of impact is Sam Darnold playing well having on recruiting, if any impact? A big impact. I mean, they're winning games and he's showing to be a playmaker. I talked to Stephen Carr about this, so check out that update a little bit. But he talked about Sam Darnold and, and just having a guy out there that can sort of um, – you know, build the confidence and have a swagger and make plays. You know, a lot of kids just like to see that. They like to see the explosiveness of the offense. So when Sam Darnold's able to, you know, take a fumbled snap and all of a sudden reverse his field and then chuck it downfield 90 yards, that's pretty crazy. I mean, those type of plays, 90 yards is, you know, hyperbole. But, um, <laughs> but still, it's a great play, and um, it's something that gets, you know, recruits definitely excited. And obviously the winning helps also. So, yeah, he's, he's definitely a factor. And when we talked about the factor just with him as a quarterback and USC trying to recruit a quarterback in 2017, that's an impact in and of itself. So, yeah, definitely he's having an impact on recruiting. Zach White, seven. Realistically, where are we with DB recruiting, and how does Hilton's job status come into play? Uh, certainly comes into play a lot because, you know, if he's on the hot seat and might get fired, then that, you know, certainly changed the 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 uncertainty level around recruiting. And we talked about that really with out-of-state guys and 
defensive line and defensive back specifically, they're recruiting a lot of out-of-state players. So those targets are looking, you're going, I don't want to go across the country to go play for a team that I don't know who the head coach is going to be. That's going to, you know, hurt USC and they're going to lose ground on those kids. And they have lost ground on some of those kids. So realistically, that's a really sort of open-ended question. And I want to go on about it. Um, I think USC is going to be okay at defensive back. Um, they've got some guys out of state that they're sort of circling in on. The one guy that's sort of always been that secret weapon for USC has been Kenyoto Hudson. He's done a fantastic job recruiting Florida for USC, and USC's definitely got some guys earmarked in Florida. So we'll see how it comes. I mean, USC didn't have a great season last year. They're still able to bring in Pi Young and Jamel Cook. Granted, I say that, that there's a difference between last year and this year because that staff was really sort of a new staff last year. I mean, that was Clay Helton, his first, you know, head coaching job. Things are going to change. There's sort of a clean slate a little bit with recruits that they can feel like, hey, I'm coming in with a new guy and and I have an opportunity to, to, to start and to make an impact because there's not so many loyalties to the guys that are already on the roster. Whether that's reality or not, that's how recruits look at it. And so you sort of had that clean slate and it helps recruiting. Don't really have that now. We know what Clay Helton is about. We know what the staff is about, defensive staff included. And so basically they have to recruit on what they've done this season. So it changes things a bit. So I wouldn't necessarily be quite as optimistic with some of those kids in the South and out of state. Um, but, you know, there's still that potential because you still have guys that have recruited well over past classes that are still on the staff. Uh, Sharmack wrote in, Giuliano Falanico has been a commitment for a while. Do you guys think he'll stick? Are the coaches still on board with him? I do. I, I think that, uh, you know, he has a really good relationship with Johnny Nansen. I think that's sort of the key there. Uh, Johnny Nansen is a position coach, and Johnny Nansen is his area coach. Johnny Nansen has great ties in Samoa. I mean, he really recruits uh, that area well. And so I would say that, you know, Johnny T- Nansen is sort of the key to that, to keep him committed. If Johnny Nansen was to move on, then there would probably be a little open-ended. It'd be harder to be able to get him. I still think USC would be in a good position for him. Um, but I think it would definitely it would open things up a little bit for him. Um, the thing that's going to be interesting about him is Falonico is a guy that, you know, where does he play? Is he going to be a Sam guy? I think he's more of a Sam linebacker when I watch him on film, uh, but I've heard some talk maybe USC could move him inside. So kind of have to figure out, like, where he ends up um, defensively, but uh, a good player. and I would say a guy that's underrated, but he's really not underrated by scout. He's a four-star guy. He's, he's rated a, a pretty high, and um, that's, that's a big deal. It says a lot for a guy that's all the way out there in uh, Samoa. Uh, let's see. We got Truth7. Who are the coaches going to visit today and tomorrow? Um, I don't think they're visiting anyone today or tomorrow. They have practice. Like, it'll be done early. Uh, it sounds like more Thursday, maybe Thursday and Friday uh, and Saturday. Like, they're not going to be practicing, Gerard. I don't know what you know, but I think, you know, they're definitely having practice this evening and I think tomorrow evening too. Um, so I would think more maybe later on Thursday, Friday, Saturday kind of stuff. Yeah, they'll, they'll hit some JC guys, um, and we'll see if we get some names out of that. Uh, you know, USC doesn't necessarily like to announce who they're going to go see before they go see them. Um, so it might be some more room stuff on that, but I, I think it's more of a focus on going to see if there's some Juco guys that uh, that they can recruit. And you always have Juco guys out there that you like. It's you know, Junior college players, the difficulty is always figuring out who can qualify and when they can get in. Uh, and we've seen with guys that have been – clear qualifiers for other schools get delayed 
enrollments at USC and, and, you know, whether it be Loney, uh, Fangupo back in the day, he was supposed to be an early enrollee or even, um, uh, Josh, um, why am I blanking on his name at Pierce college, the safety that played for USC? Shaw? Um, what? no, we ran into him just the other day. Um, I don't want to say Josh Pinkard. It's not uh, Josh Gerald Bowman? Cheryl Bowman. Why is it not even Josh? Yeah, Cheryl Bowman. Totally <laughs> blinked on his name there. Cheryl Bowman um, was a guy that was, you know, early enrollee, and then he did, couldn't get in early, and then he couldn't, couldn't even get in in June, and then he had to get in later. And uh, there's been a lot of that. Josh Fatu is another guy that, you know, he didn't get in until uh, a, a couple of weeks before fall camp. So, you know, it's, that's always sort of the nervous sort of hesitation with USC recruiting junior college players. And um, it's, it, it remains, you know, and so that's that's why you're not getting a ton of names of junior college players because they don't really know who are going to be those guys there until they start to get into, you know, the the, the mid semester here, um, getting closer into November, December. Darren LT is Stephen Carr a candidate for early entry? Uh, no, no. Okay, M W Trojan chances of landing Joseph Lewis, and I actually got to see him, Gerard thursday night and we put up uh highlight videos of joseph lewis who he played offense he played defense he was the team's punter um he did a lot it wasn't a big uh throwing game for hawkins high school but um i think you got to see a lot of you know joseph lewis athleticism he recovered two fumbles including the game winner the one that they recovered the fumble and then ended up kicking the, the game winning field goal one of the most exciting high school games i've been to in a while usually they're kind of boring but um it was a pretty exciting one, but anyway, that's uh, that's what I saw Joseph Lewis on Thursday. Fifty-five uh, percent for Joseph Lewis. Nice. Oh, look at that. Look at that numbers. Uh, number. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's good, Gerard. I like numbers. Uh, Dar- <laughs> a lot of science behind those numbers, by the way. Gerard thinks about those things a lot. Um, Darren LT with Banner and Wheeler. Uh, Banner and Wheeler get me next year. Uh, I don't know what he means here. I think he missed graduate. If they graduate next year, uh, is Jackson good enough to start as a freshman? Oh, okay. Uh, yes and yes. Uh, you're talking about? We're talking about Austin or yeah, Austin Jackson. Okay. Um, the offensive tackle from Phoenix, Arizona, who we just had an update on. Shotgun actually went out there to go uh, watch him. And so we got some film coming, and he actually has an update already up on the website uh, just about him and uh, sort of what he's looking at with USC. And uh, – from all the sources and everybody we talked to, it sounds like Arizona State and USC are his top two, and uh, USC will get that official visit. Um, he's got some uh, some legacy family ties to USC, so uh, definitely, certainly, when you look at Banner and Wheeler both leaving, yeah, all the offensive tackles that are good enough to possibly play, you know, five-star level guys are going to look at USC. I mean, Alex Leatherwood is another guy sort of put in that, that category with Marvin Wilson as a long-shot guys that, you know, USC probably doesn't get, but they're still going to get an official visit from uh, probably in January. And, you know, Alex Leatherwood is looking at that banner and, and Wheeler leaving. It's like, yeah, man, I mean, that's that's playing time at a school that puts guys in the NFL. That's always going to get you an official visit at the very least. And so with Austin Jackson, the difference is, is that he's, you know, obviously regional and he's got family ties to USC. And so, you know he's not and he's not committed to Alabama like Alex Leatherwood is, um, so that's a guy that USC has a really good shot at. And yeah, he does definitely have a shot at possibly playing as a true freshman. Blue Lion Troy, hypothetically, out of T Lang, yeah, hypothetically. hypothetically, but it'll be quick. T Lang, G Rogers, and Jay Lynch, who can come in and play right away on the defensive line. 
Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I would kind of say Greg Rogers. I think his upside is probably the least of that group, but I think he's probably the most physically ready to play, I guess. I don't know. I haven't seen enough of James Lynch, to be honest with you. Um, that's a guy that was actually at the opening, and I never, I mean, he was committed to TCU. And at that point, I don't even know how much USC was recruiting him. USC really started recruiting him when they went into the satellite camps, and he popped up at one of those satellite camps. And he, ironically, USC was being hosted by TCU at that camp. That was the camp that uh, Ohio State, Alabama, and USC were all at, and TCU was hosting those camps in Fort Worth, Dallas, and in Houston. And so James Lynch popped up at one of those camps, and that's where USC sort of looked at him and saw him and was like, hey, you know, let's start going after this kid. Uh, I don't really know a lot about him to know – you know, he, he, he could end up being the guy that actually plays out of that group. I know Terrence Lang has the most potential out of that group, has the most athletic potential out of that group by, by a good margin, but he is just not, I think, ready to come in as a true freshman uh, right now looking at him play. I, I think just physically he's not been in a college-level weight room. He hasn't had that off-season type training. He actually plays a lot of basketball. Um, he's a big kid, but he is raw, 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 very raw. And so I, I, I would not want to put my cards on him. Um, like I said, Rogers, Rogers has got to get physical too. He's got to bulk up and get really stronger in the upper body. He got pushed around a bit at the opening, and I've seen him get pushed around a bit in camps. Uh, but I do think he sort of has probably the most polished uh, technique of that group and is probably the guy that could probably come in and play the soonest, but um, it's a, it's a tougher question. You know, it's a, again, Lynch is the guy that would be kind of the question marker there. I, I just haven't seen enough of him to really make a good educated opinion. All right. Damon Ridley says, uh, this is kind of, I don't know. I don't know if we have enough information here, but how would you rank Clay Helton versus Kiffin and Sark on talent evaluation based on the offers already out? Yeah, that's, that's that's tough. You don't base a lot on offers, you know. I mean, you really got to have to look and see what these guys are doing when they get on the roster. And then it's two years into playing at USC that you start to go, okay, this guy had a good eye and this guy didn't have a good eye. They they took, you know, too many chances and went after five stars instead of guys that were really good players. It, it's tough. Obviously, Clay Helton has taken a different approach in terms of guys in recruiting. They're just going after guys they like. Um, clearly, stars do not matter to this coaching staff. C.J. Miller is a two-star and they have him. He's still a two-star, I think, even after the Scout 300 update. Um, so, you know, they have definitely, with this staff, gone after guys that they like and not necessarily guys who have a lot of a reputation because of their profiles and their recruiting, um, you know, uh, perception from the services. Uh, I do think Sark's staff did have a good eye for talent, though. I mean, obviously what they did at Washington when they had all those first-round picks, and I think Peter Sermon was a guy that was definitely organized and definitely he knew what he was doing and knew who he wanted to recruit and why they wanted to recruit them. So um, I think Sark's staff was, was better than Lane Kiffin's staff, uh, to be honest with you. I think that they did a better job identifying specifically local talent. I think Lane Kiffin's staff was too enamored with Florida guys, too enamored with guys in the South, and they chased stars and they chased guys that – were 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 ghosts you know they, they they weren't really the players that they thought they were going to be um i think sark did a better job of finding the local talent and let's face it i mean california still puts more players in the nfl than any other state in the union and we could talk about per capita and all these numbers but the fact is is that there's going to be a lot of good players that are hidden out here in california and you got to find them and more importantly you got to develop them you got to find them but you got to know that a guy like chad wheeler who comes in at 250 pounds is off to tackle 
he's going to be a guy, but you just got to put weight on him. You know, you've got to, you've got to be able to see what the potential is and project a bit. And I think Sark staff did a very good job at projecting. Uh, Trojan brand. He said, speaking of finding guys, San Diego consistently puts out great recruits. Uh, are there any that USC's taking a look at or any that you like Gerard you like? There really have not been a, a ton of guys that have jumped on the radio from San Diego. I, I mean, obviously, I think the only guy that comes to mind that is uh, a recruit that they really kind of went after, but then they ended up actually backing off of was uh, Samson New, uh, the linebacker um, from Madison High School in San Diego, who's small. He's like 5'11", 205 pounds, and I think that probably had a lot to do with it. Um just sort of how he fits into this defense that they're running with these big linebackers. I mean, you're USC's running a, like I said, a, a two, four, five as a base defense, really, which is really more of a nickel. And you've only got two down defensive linemen, your outside linebackers uh, in that case have to be big. I mean, they have to be legitimate, like defensive ends in the four three, because you, you've only got those two down defensive linemen. So against the run, uh, you got to have some bulk on the on the on the line of scrimmage, or you're just going to get pushed around. And so a guy like Samson New is only about 200 205 pounds. I mean that guy is a safety in, in in USC system. So that's why I think they they kind of balked on him a bit. He ended up committing to Oregon. We'll see if something changes down the line. But I, I think he's a very good player. But I just don't think he fits in USC's defense right now. There's also uh, Zeke Noah who is a really good player, a six foot, 220 pounds. Another guy that's a little sawed off, a little stubby. Um, he's an inside linebacker, but I don't know if USC feels like he has enough upside in terms of his frame to be able to put on more weight, to be a legitimate inside linebacker in that defense. Um, but he's a, another good player. Uh, just not a ton of guys though, in terms of names uh, that have come up uh, in San Diego. And uh, I, to be honest with you, I'm not 100% sure who's recruiting San Diego for USC. It might be Neil Calloway. Um, so we just haven't heard a whole lot of names uh, come up here in the past uh, about San Diego-type players. But, again, that is one of those sort of dark corners of California with talent where there's guys that come out like, you know, Terrell Davis playing – I think he was playing defensive tackle for his high school or whatever and ended up going to Long Beach State. Long Beach State canceled football. He ended up going to Georgia and playing football at Georgia, and nobody really talked about him or drafted him, and boom, next thing you know, he's in the Super Bowl uh, with the Denver Broncos, and he's an all-pro. So um, there's a lot of guys like that all over California, uh, places that, um, you know, maybe the, the high school football, it's not as hyped up as maybe other places in, in the South or in Texas, but there's a lot of talent there. Casey Koss, uh, what will it take to flip the UCLA silent, at least according to some, scout five-star cornerback, Darnay Holmes and his family is his family all in on coach meat. Uh, they, they are, I think they're, you know, he's definitely like a 70, 75 percenter to, to UCLA, but UCLA has a lot of questions. UCLA has a lot of issues right now. And, um, we're just going to have to see how that plays out. I think he, he wanted to have another option locally. He wanted to, you know, be able to have another school there that he could look at and USC's at school. And I think USC is going to recruit him and they're going to sit back and just see what happens. And by default, possibly they end up getting a five-star cornerback. Um, they really have nothing to lose by going after him. And uh, obviously, like I said before, I mean, there's been some precedent for them stealing five-star recruits away from UCLA. So um, there's uh, no reason for them not to go after him. Um, all right. That was all of page one. We still have a whole bunch of page two. So I think I'm going to pick a few. Maybe with Gerard, we'll have you go in and answer some of these just on the message board because we're already almost to an hour and I have to leave soon for uh, for practice. But um, 
Is that a cool? We'll do. We'll try to do a few yeah, more. Yeah. No, I want you to mispractice. So let's do every one of them. Scion. <laughs> what are USC's chances with quarterback Jalen Johnson? Seventy uh, percent. Cool. I think they lead for him definitely, um, but I, you know, there's definitely going to be school like Oklahoma and some other schools that are going to be in there, Notre Dame even, um, that uh, that make it interesting. But I think USC is in a pretty good position for him right now. Chewy, chewy. What will it take for Thomas Graham to become a priority for the coaching staff again? Oh, interesting. Um, I just don't know if Ronnie Bradford is really high on Thomas Graham. Um, they just didn't recruit him real hard when he was a commit. And I think when he decommit, it was like, okay. And um, there's been enough talk, oh, yeah, they're recruiting him harder now and blah, blah, blah. But I just have not really seen it. Um, so I I don't know. I don't know what's good, what, what, what it will take. Uh, maybe missing out on a few guys. Maybe that's what it will take. Here's an interesting one. Uh, EXUSC fact two. Um, so this is, this is a guy he, I think he teaches a SAT class. He says, uh, can you opine in the paucity <laughs> of D line recruits? Thank you. So just meaning like yeah. the lack of, yeah. you know, not a lot of defensive <laughs> line recruits talk about it. <laughs> yeah. The, the lack of options. There's really not a lack of options. I mean, if you go to the target list, which will up, be updated here uh, pretty soon, I mean, there's a lot of guys that have offers. The, the issue is more that the offers are kind of slated towards the Southeast. And when USC doesn't have a good season, they're not going to get a lot of interest from those guys. Uh, that's just the bottom line. And even when you have a good season, there's not going to be a ton of chance. They're not going to be a great chance of getting a lot of guys. You're not going to get quantity from recruiting the Southeast. If you're USC, that's just the bottom line. It's not going to happen. So you have to develop more names locally and maybe that USC hasn't done enough of that. That can be, a, you know, argument. But there, there's guys out there. I mean, you look at a guy like Gabe Cherry, who's committed to Cal, Bakersfield. He's 6'5", 265. He, I've seen him in person. I haven't seen him play in person, but I've seen him in person. He's a pretty uh, impressive-looking player, just off the hoof. He's a pretty impressive-looking player in terms of his frame. Um, he's a, just a good-looking player. And that's a local guy that USC offered and – Maybe I don't know how hard they're recruiting him still, or where he is on the on the uh, on the board for them. But that's that's a possibility of a guy that maybe you get an official visit from, and you beat Cal, and you know you can look at him as a guy that uh, you could get committed. Uh, there's guys there, and obviously when you go and you're taking a commitment from a guy like Jacob Lichtenstein, who's sort of a three star, and and you know has a bunch of those sort of May offers, which don't mean a lot, um, but a guy that you know people feel like has potential. You're, you're taking a guy like that out of state because you want to sort of build your numbers up. And that's, you know, James Lynch and those, those are number builders. Those are guys that are not big time ego guys that are come in at five stars and feel like, Oh, you know what? You got another guy committed um, and you're bringing in five guys. So I want to go somewhere else because you're bringing in five guys. If you're bringing in those type of guys, those guys don't have quite the egos as, you know, Marvin Wilson and, and those guys that you might try to stack up as five stars. So um, I, I think the numbers are there. I, I, I think people are just, they they want to have the big nine the big name guys that are at the top of the list all saying that USC leads for them and then they feel more comfortable about it. But when you're going to get a five man class on the interior defensive lineman, you're going to have to take some role players. It's the whole mortar and brick thing that I'm sure people remember me talking about and hopefully they remember because I don't want to go on and make that <laughs> analogy again. But it, but that's what it is. You got to have some mortar with those bricks and you can't just have a bunch of bricks in the class.
Right. Jay Colgate, this is interesting. Any possibility of looking to Texas or Florida for a mobile quarterback? There is a possibility. Uh, I would not look at Florida because Florida quarterbacks in um, just in terms of the trend and the, the, the past guys that have come out of Florida have been sort of a mixed bag. Um, so yeah, I normally, wouldn't necessarily normally come go to, to California Florida. for recruits. You know, normally people come yeah, out Yeah, offensive, offensive linemen and, and, and quarterbacks, I think, uh, tend to be very overrated from Florida just in general. Um, Texas has had a good run of quarterbacks lately. Uh, but I don't, yeah, like I, like like you said, I don't know. You need to really go outside of California to go find a guy. There's going to be a guy out there. There's going to be a you know Colin Kaepernick type guy that ends up going to Nevada, and then you know ends up in the NFL, and everybody's going, "What happened? How did everybody miss on him?" Um, so I, yeah, I don't know that you have to go uh, very far. And at this point, we haven't seen any new offers from USC, and that makes me think that Tui Tagovailoa is still definitely talking to USC and giving USC the impression that they have a good chance because if that wasn't the case. You would think there'd be, you know, two, three more offers going out to guys. And, and at this point there hasn't been, and, and we haven't seen any local guys necessarily that have popped up on the radar that, Hey, USC definitely has to recruit this guy, um, you know, senior film wise either. So um, I think Tui Tagovailoa is still in play and that's why USC sort of uh, hasn't been very active with other guys in terms of offers. Uh, we got SGN 43. I thought this was interesting. So far, which of this year's commits have been USC's biggest recruiters? That's a pretty good question. It, and this hasn't been that type of class. Obviously, when you don't have a quarterback committed in the class, it tends to be uh, a little quieter in that regard. I, I think the biggest recruiter has definitely been Brett Nealon, um, the center. You know, 6'2", 275 out of Santa Margarita. He's a guy who's very active on Twitter. And he's always tweeting at guys. Guy gets an offer, says, hey, congratulations. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and in terms of leader, you want your center to be a leader. So stands to reason. He needs to be a vocal guy. He needs to be able to call out plays and call out line adjustments and, and pass protection alerts. So uh, stands to reason. So you don't have a quarterback committed in the class. Um, you know, that's always sort of the focal point, the center point. Matt Fink wasn't that guy. Uh, but um, – you tend to think that the quarterback is going to be sort of the leader and the guy that's going to be pushing to try to get certain receivers committed and not in the other, um, which is interesting because, you know, Matt Fink being a guy that's not very vocal, uh, USC was still able to get five receivers committed and almost six receivers pie um, committed in that class, uh, you know, in 2015, 2016. So um, yeah, that's uh, kind of an interesting dynamic when you think back to it. Uh, but most of the time it's the quarterback. That's the, the sort of the cornerstone in the recruiting class right now. It's their center, Brett Nealon. Brett Nealon. All right. Well, Hey, there's still some more on there and I'm, I apologize. We're not going to be able to get to them all. We're just, we're over an hour already. I got to get out there. I got to go to practice. So this will go up. Uh, so if you get this, it's going to go up Wednesday night uh, on the site. So this will be going up after I get back uh, from football practice. But Gerard, yeah. I'm going to lock this thread. <laughs> <laughs> this thread will go on forever. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll post it there. Okay, we already recorded. No more questions. But you could go in and answer some if you want, Gerard. You know, it, you know it's fine. Yeah, I'll jump in on, on some and, and try to get some answers. And um you know, there's a lot of redundancy, I think, already popping up in the thread. But yeah. um, try to try to do some questions that are maybe new questions that can provide some insight into USC recruiting right here, which, you know, can change tomorrow yeah. or the next day. But that's what the Peristop is for, right? Damn. Every day we're in there answering questions. Every day. So that if you guys aren't members of USCfootball.com, you definitely should get in there. It's the busiest, the best. 
USC message board on the planet, and Gerard does an awesome job answering all the questions. So it's uh, it's a great way to interact with other USC fans. You'll argue with them. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll do it all <laughs> on the Peristyle. <laughs> cool. But Gerard, hey, thanks, man. Awesome stuff. Uh, it was great and a good idea to do another recruiting podcast. Hope you guys all enjoyed it. And uh, thanks to Gerard. Follow him on Twitter at GMartLive. Follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast. Bi-week edition, talking USC recruiting. And we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by USCFootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.